0: Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 13, verse 11 down to verse 14, and the title of my message is Understanding the Times. So let's pray and ask God to bless our time in the Word and also to be with Skip and the family at this time. Father in heaven, we are thankful for Pastor Skip and Lenya and Nathan and for their service and ministry to this congregation. And we're thankful, Lord, that you chose this time, our days are numbered, they're in your hands, to take Skip's mom home to be with you. And we pray that you'll comfort Skip as he grieves and sense of loss of his mother, but knowing where she is... It's a wonderful comfort, and we have that blessed hope of being reunited one day. Pray for Alenia and Nathan, and pray that you'll encourage and strengthen them and comfort their hearts and the other family members. Help them, Lord, as they uh, take care of the arrangements there in California and make their way back here to New Mexico. Lord, we pray that tonight, as we open your word, that you would open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts And I pray that you would speak very clearly to us, Lord, that we would know and understand in light of the times that we live, how we should live, how we should conduct ourselves, what we should do in these dark, difficult, deceptive, and dangerous days that we live in. And Lord, we'll give you praise and we'll give you thanks. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus and everyone agreeing said, Amen. I'd like you to follow me as I read this text tonight in your Bibles, beginning with verse 11 down to verse 14. Paul says that knowing the time, it is now high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us, Paul says, therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In Matthew 16, the leaders of the people, specifically the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they said, we would like to see a sign from heaven. Now by that, they wanted him to do some miraculous thing in the stars or in the heavens above. Jesus had already raised the dead and given sight to the blind and multiplied the bread, but they wanted some sign in the heavenly bodies. Jesus there in Matthew 16 then turned to them and he says, It is interesting that in the evening you're able to look out, and if it's a red sky, you're able to say, Tomorrow will be fair weather. And then he says in the morning when you look out on the sky, if it's red, you're able to say, Today will be stormy. The sailors have a little saying, Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in morning, Sailors take warning. Now, believe it or not, there is some truth to that statement. If you have a beautiful red-orange sunset, chances are you're going to have a beautiful day tomorrow. You can go on a picnic or do something fun outside. If you wake up in the morning and the sky is red, then a storm is coming. Then Jesus turned to these religious leaders and he said these words, "'Oh, you hypocrites!' You can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You know, I believe the same thing is true of many Christians today. We can forecast the weather. We can forecast the economy. I live in California and love to surf. And we can forecast the waves. They can give you a surf report. We can forecast so many things that are going to happen... But yet, when it comes to understanding the times and the days and the conditions of the days in which we live, so many times as Christians, we are ignorant of really what time it is. We need to be like the young boy whose family clock malfunctioned. It struck 15 times. He ran through the house. Mommy, Mommy, it's later than it's ever been before. <laughs> And I believe it is later than it's ever been before. And as Christians, we need to understand the times. Paul wants us to understand the times that it's later than it's ever been before. Now go with me in your Bible to verse 11. Paul says that knowing the time. You see that right at the beginning of verse 11. That phrase, understanding, or knowing the time, is a reference to the present time. Knowing means understanding our present time. The word time Paul is speaking of here is the kind of time or the nature of time. Now a lot of people preach prophetic messages... From this text, and no doubt some of you tonight saw the title, Understanding the Times, and you go, Wow, great, it's going, be a, it's going to be a message on the rapture of the church. It's going to be juicy, you know. It's going to be on the second coming, of the tribulation, or the mark of the beast. And those things are all taught in the Bible, and they're wonderful and exciting. And we do see the stage set today for the fulfillment of those prophecies that were spoken so long ago. We see the globalization of our, of our world. And the Bible says in the last days that there will be a one world government. We live in a world that is shrinking. We see the stage being set for an electric funds transfer system for the mark of the beast. We see the rumblings in the Middle East. And the wars and the rumors of wars. And the distress of nations with perplexity no way out. But I think what Paul is saying here is not so much, here's a prophetic word, look for these signs. Paul is calling you and I as Christians to understand the day that we live in, the times and the conditions and the nature of the times that we live in today. What are the kind of, What is the kind of time that we live in right now? What is, what is the nature of this time? Look at verse 12, we get a hint. And the night is far spent. And then notice he refers to casting off the works of darkness. Paul makes a contrast between the night, the darkness and the day which is coming. What are the nature or what is the nature of the times that we are living in tonight? Darkness. The Bible says that Jesus came to save us. Listen carefully from this present evil age. This is a time of darkness. This past week, with the tragic uh, mass killings at Virginia Tech, and our hearts grieve with those that are suffering over the whole nation suffering over that. We need to keep them in our prayers. What are the, what's the nature of the, the times we live in? What, what's the character of our times? Dark. Difficult, spiritually, deceptive and dangerous. I believe that we are living in very difficult, very dark and very dangerous times as believers, and we're going to see it's high time that we are aware of the conditions of the days in which we live in. The Bible prophetically speaking to the church, the believers. The Bible says that in, in the last days that men will not give heed to sound doctrine. But after their own desire, after their own lust, they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now the itching ears is not the teachers. The itching ears is the listeners. It's the men and women in the pews. The church today gets the preaching that it demands. And I think as a congregation you should demand Bible preaching, expository Bible preaching and teaching. That's what you should want when you come to church. Not a little sermonette for Christianettes. Not a little homily or a little pep talk or a little psychology or a little philosophy. But clear exposition, teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Because this is what equips us to live the Christian life. And so Paul says, listen, there's going to be a, a dangerous time. It's going to be a time when no one wants to hear sound doctrine. They're going to pick pastors out that will entertain them. They will tickle their ears. Tell them what they want to hear. And after their own desires, they will turn from the truth and be given unto Fables. It's a very dangerous time that we live in right now. It's a very dark time we live in right now. And we need to be understanding the times in which we live. Now, in light of our text this evening, Paul tells us three things that we need to do in light of these difficult, dangerous, deceptive days that are so dark right now that we live in. Yes, we are living in the last days. But the Bible tells us that the last days begin with the first coming of Jesus Christ. It will end with the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we're living in the last days of the last days. But the nature and character of these times is very dark, very evil, very deceptive, very dangerous spiritually. So there are three things that we need to do. I want you to notice them in the text. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. They're quite simple. The first thing we need to do is wake up. Verse 11 and 12. Go with me to the Bible again. Verse 11. Then, knowing the time, Paul says, it is now high time to do what? Awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Notice verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of First step that we need to take tonight as believers. And we can put this into practice. This is the Bible in shoe leather. We need to wake up. Paul gives us in this text three time references. Notice the first is in verse 11. It is high time to waken out of sleep. Now the sleep that he's referring to here... Is not physical sleep. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a, a late night person, and it's hard for me to get up in the morning early, with a, you know a lot of uh, jump in my step and to get gone. So I, I hit the dozer button about six times, <laughs> and then after I finally get the, the 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 alarm clock dealt with, as I lay there, one eye opens, then another eye opens. And then maybe one arm comes out, and the other arm comes out, and then one leg flies out, you know, and the other leg flies out, and then I kind of sit up on the bed and kind of rock for a little while. <laughs> try to get motivating, you know, try to get motating. And, and then I gotta get gone, then I build up steam through the day. I'm not real good at waking up. But that's not what Paul is talking about here in verse 11, when he says it is high time to waken out of sleep. Now, he is speaking to Christians in this context. And he is telling even Christians that you can be asleep and you need to wake up. So I believe that Paul is talking about spiritual apathy and lethargy. Spiritual complacency. There are many sleeping Christians today. And here it is, in light of the difficult, dark, dangerous, and deceptive days that we live in, these last days, the Lord is coming soon. We live in a dark, difficult world. It's high time for us to wake out of sleep. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And he asked them to stay awake and pray with him, right? He went a little deeper into the garden and they're agonized in prayer. And you remember what happened when Jesus came back? What did He find? They were sleeping, just like you and I. And He says, What, could you not watch with Me one hour? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on, you guys, stay awake, stay alert, watch and pray, catch this, lest you enter into the Temptation. You know, there are a lot of Christians that are not watching and praying. They're not wide awake. They're in a spiritual slumber. They're sleeping. They don't realize how dark and difficult and dangerous these times are in which we live in today. It is time for the church to wake up. We should wake up because there's work to do. You know, you get up in the morning. It's like, why should I get up? Well, because you got to go to work, Buckaroo. There's work to do, and you can't lay in bed all day. Now, maybe if you were in prison or you were in jail, you could sleep all day. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> but you know what? You're out in the world. You've got to you gotta get to work. You've got things to do. There's a job to be done. Has not Jesus given us what we call the Great Commission? Go ye into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature? Now, you may not be a missionary... You may not be an evangelist in the classic sense of preaching before multitudes, but every one of us as believers should have a part and a role in the Great Commission and using our time and our talents and our treasures to get out the gospel until the whole world hears about Jesus Christ. There's work to be done. Wake up! There's job to be done. Satan is not sleeping. The devil is working. And we need to wake up and get busy. We can't just sleep a little longer. Notice the second statement he makes about sleep. He says there, or about time, he says in verse 11, Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. You see that there in verse 11? Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. Now here is the rationale or the reason why we should wake out of our spiritual sleep. Why should we wake up? Your mom comes in to wake you up in the morning. Why? Can't I just sleep a little longer? My wife comes in and quotes scriptures at me. (laughs) Arise, O sleeper. Christ shall give thee light, you know. Remember Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and the heathen sailors had to say, Wake up. And call upon your God while, while we're going down in the storm, you're sleeping. And what a picture that is. Many times I think the church or the believers like Jonah, and there's a storm raging out there and we're asleep. Wake up. Why? Because now is your salvation, verse 11, nearer than when you believed. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor John. I thought that the moment we believed in Jesus Christ, we were saved. I thought we were born again and saved, and that we were children of God the moment we believed, and that is true. But you need to understand that salvation has three tenses. Did you know that? It has a past tense, I have been saved. It has a present tense, I am being saved. And our salvation has a future tense, I will yet be saved. When you are born again you are saved. That's called justification. That's a past tense. That's done deal. Justification is the act of God where He declares the believing sinner righteous based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you can't get any more saved than that. But then we move into phase two, which is sanctification. Sanctification is now a lifelong process whereby God, through His Word and the Spirit and other circumstances and people and things, is molding us and shaping us and making us more holy, which is what sanctification is. And it's a lifelong process, and the goal is likeness to Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes I think as Christians we should wear a little sign around our neck that says, Under Construction... Be patient with me. God isn't finished yet. And I know He's not finished with me, and I'm sure He's got a long way to go with you. Some of us a lot further than others. To be like Jesus Christ. But then the third phase, we call that glorification. Justification, I have been saved. Sanctification, I am being saved. Glorification, I will yet be saved. So when Paul the Apostle says here, Our salvation is nearer time frame than when you believed, he is talking about what? The third stage of our salvation. Glorification. When I leave this body and I go to be with the Lord and I'm in His presence and this corruptible puts on incorruption and this mortal tent puts on immortality. That's the third stage. I am then glorified in the presence of the Lord. Now, notice that. Paul says, your salvation is nearer than when you believe. Some of you have been Christians a long time. Maybe you're here tonight you've been a Christian 30, 40, 50 years. Guess what? Your salvation, glorification, is nearer than when you believe. Now, that's a cool thought, isn't it? If you got saved last week, your going to heaven is a week closer than it was last week. Tomorrow you'll be a day closer. The next day, two days closer. Our salvation is nearer than when we believed. And the longer you walk with the Lord, the closer you are to glory. But here's the point. The point is, what are you doing with that time? What have you done with the last 30 years of your salvation? What have you done in the area of sanctification and service? Are you wasting that time? Are you squallowing that time? Or are you just using it to invest in the kingdom of God? Our salvation is nearer than we, when we believed. We need to realize that the day of the Lord is coming. Notice thirdly in verse 12, the first part, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. So, reason number one, we should wake up. Your salvation's nearer than when you believed. Reason number two, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Now, let me be clear here in this text. The night is referring to the time that we live in right now. You got that? The day is a reference to when we are with the Lord, when the Lord returns. There's the kingdom age. Christ comes back in His second coming. And for a thousand years, Christ reigns and rules upon the earth. That is a dawning of a new day, a new age, when there will be glorious light, Christ's theocratic reign upon the earth. And it won't be very long till that day dawns. You know, the Jews have their day start at sunset. The day starts at sunset, and it gets darker and darker and darker until the dawning of the daylight. And so in the Bible, we live in this dark time, this night time. The Lord is coming again, or we'll be going home to be with the Lord, so the day will be dawning. So now we need to use this time to get out the gospel, to grow in holiness, to do all we can in our service to the Lord. The application of this point is that we should not let the world, the flesh, or the devil press us into its mold and lull us into sleep. Many Christians today are being lulled to sleep with the sweet siren song of the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're so busy with their lives. They're so busy with their careers. They're busy getting married. They're busy with other things. They're eating. They're drinking. They're marrying. They're giving in marriage. And they don't realize that our salvation's nearer than when we believed. I became a Christian in 1971. Met Skip just in 1973. And as I think about that, you know what? I don't have a whole lot of time left. I've been pastoring for 34 plus years and I don't know how much time I have left. You say, well, you know what? The Lord may not come for a while. It doesn't matter. I'm getting old. And I don't have a lot of time left. You know, we think, oh, well, you know, they're not building the temple in Jerusalem yet. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen anybody with 666 on their forehead lately. So, you know, we can kind of, you know, slough off and kick back. And there's plenty of time. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Listen, buckaroo, you're not getting any younger, man. It's time to wake up. Your salvation is nearer than when you believed. Life is short. The Bible says it's like a vapor of smoke that appears for a time and vanishes away. Life is short and death is universal. So it's time to wake up the second thing we need to do in verse 12 to 13 the end of verse 12 to 13 is we need to cast off you know when you get up in the morning you take off your night clothes right and you put on your day clothes notice at the end of verse 12 he says therefore let us cast off the works of darkness let us put on the armor of light Let us walk honestly as in the daytime, not in rioting, drunkenness, not in chambering, wantonness, not in strife, and envy. So in view of the times that we are living in, and the nearness of the Lord's coming, what should we do? Basically, cast off the deeds of darkness. Notice in the text it's let us cast off. Paul includes himself in this passage. He again is speaking to believers. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, let us cast out. A lot of Christians like to blame sins on the devil. How many of you are old enough to remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. The old line of Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. No Christian having the Holy Spirit indwelling them can be possessed by a demon. It is not cast out, it is put off. It is our responsibility as believers to put off the deeds of the nightlife of this dark age of our old B.C. days before we believed in Jesus Christ. The phrase cast off suggests a complete act It's a picture of putting off old clothes. So we are to wake up, cast off the old clothes of the sinful life, and to put on the new clothes of the daytime and walk after the fullness of Christ. Notice he lists or specifically mentions some of these sins. Notice in verse 13, riot and drunkenness or rioting and drunkenness which are actually orgies and drunkenness. So we're to put off the empty and harmful pleasures. It would speak there of the party life. How many times people become Christians and they they think that they can still continue to go on living the way they did before they were saved. They're still going to drunken parties. They're still following the party life. Paul says we're to put that off. We're to wake up. We're to take off like a some soiled dirty clothes you get up in the morning you wouldn't go through the day with dirty clothes on or your pajamas, you know if you see somebody walking around in the middle of the day with pajamas on you think, ah, I better call the cops usually they're not all there, you know you go, I like to wear my pajamas okay, I'll pray for you those are night clothes, it's daytime what do you got your PJ's on for? A lot of Christians are walking around in, in, in the pajamas of the old life, the nightlife. Notice he also mentions chambering and wantonness. Of course, I'm reading from the King James translation. The phrase chambering is a place to lie, a bed. Speaking of sexual sins. Wantonness is a person who feels no shame. Paul is speaking there of sexual immorality and debauchery. He's saying don't live for sexual immorality. That would include pornography or adultery or homosexuality, fornication. These are all under the, under the heading here of pornography or pornographic. Has no value, has nothing good for you. It's sinful. Jesus said if you look on somebody with lustful desires that you've committed adultery in your heart. The Greek word pornia, we get our, our word pornographic from it. And you've already committed adultery. It's a sinful thing. It starts with the mind. You sow a thought. You sow a thought, you reap an act. And you sow an act and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a destiny. We need to be careful. And he's speaking again to believers. And if you're a believer and you're involved in sexual immorality, the Bible is very clear. This is the will of God for you, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that we should keep our bodies as holiness dedicated to the Lord. C.S. Lewis said, We're like half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition When infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. If you're involved in those kind of sins tonight, knowing the time, it is high time to waken out of your sleep and to cast those off. Then notice lastly he mentions strife and envying there in verse 12 strife and envying Or excuse me verse 13 this is envying and dissensions and jealousy these are people that just can't get along with anybody you ever know someone like that they're always arguing they're always jealous they're always fighting they're always envious many times if we're engaged in these sins that paul lists it manifests itself in that kind of jealousy or fighting, or anger. Now, the image that I best think we can see in the Bible for what Paul is saying here is when Jesus, you remember, rose Lazarus from the dead. Remember that story? John chapter 11. And Jesus stood there at the grave and he cried, Lazarus, come forth. I'm sure that if Jesus had not specified Lazarus, the whole cemetery would have emptied. He had to be very specific. Just Lazarus. We'll get the rest of you later. And so Lazarus was alive, right? But Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. Why? Because he was still, the Bible says, bound from head to foot with grave cloths. He was bound with these grave cloths. You need to take him off and, and, and release him and free him and let him go. How many Christians today Maybe some that are here tonight are alive spiritually. But they're trying to live in the old grave clothes. And Jesus would say, loose him and let him go. God wants to set you free. That's that work of sanctification in your life. Loose him and let him go. Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Neither do I condemn thee. She was saved. But go And sin, what? No more. God forgives you and God forgives me and God cleanses us from our sins. But He doesn't want us to live in our grave clothes or to continue. Our lives, verse 13, are to be lived in honesty, says the King James Bible. The word means becomingly. The New Living Translation has it. We must live decent lives for everyone to see. I like that. Is your life lived decently, becomingly? Or are you still walking around in the grave clothes? I heard of a dry cleaning establishment which advertised its services with the words, if your clothes aren't becoming to you, they should be coming to us. <laughs> My question to you tonight, is your life becoming to others? Last but not least, I want you to notice thirdly in verse 14, not only are we to wake up, not only are we to cast off, but thirdly, we are to put on. Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In these verses, we find the secret of holy living. We find the secret of sanctified living in these last, dark, difficult days. Notice them. first 14, the first thing we need to do is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that I am to put on His thoughts, His attitudes, and His actions. Now, the moment I'm saved, positionally, I am placed in Christ. And God the Father imputes to me, or puts to my account, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's justification. But sanctification is not me in Christ, but it is Christ in me. It is Christ in me, through the Spirit, working through me, and making me more like Jesus Christ. This is what we call sanctification. So to put on the Lord Jesus Christ means we put on His strength, we put on His thoughts, and we yield our wills to His will as it is revealed in the Scriptures, the Word of God. So put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. So first there is the casting off. Maybe some tonight need to cast off the grave clothes, the night clothes. But you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender your will to Him. Yield your thoughts to Him. Have a mind that is sanctified and renewed in the Word of God. Spending time in prayer. Yielding in obedience to His Word. Letting the Spirit of God work through you. Changing you and making you more like Jesus Christ. To put on His power and His presence and His purpose and pattern in your life. The second thing you need to do is put on the armor of light. Notice, go back with me for a moment. We passed over it in verse 12. Let us put on the armor of light. You see that there? So, positive steps. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, put on the armor of light. Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. There's a battle waging out there. Wake up. Cast off. Put on. Put on Jesus Christ and the armor of light. Put on the uh, the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the sandals of peace. Take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All prayer by praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watchings thereunto. And then Paul says, Ephesians 6.13, Having done all to stand, stand therefore having. And he lists these things that I just mentioned. Live your lives in truth. Walk in righteousness. Stand in God's peace. Live by faith, for the just shall live by faith. Have assurance of your salvation, the helmet of salvation. Take the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. These are dark, difficult days. We need to put on the armor of light. And thirdly and lastly, in verse 14, Paul says, Do not make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You got that? So many times we're providing for... The flesh. Well, I got my little stash. I got I got got my little magazines or my little you know uh, a liquor counter here. Or I can always meet up with this person. Or I know I can do this, and, and we have this provision for the flesh. Now, I'm not trying to step on anybody's Christian liberty, but maybe your television set is providing for your flesh. Maybe you need to turn it off. Maybe some of the movies you're watching are making provision for the flesh. Maybe some of the people that you're hanging around with is making provision for the flesh. Maybe some of the places that you go are making provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Make no provision for the flesh. J.B. Phillips translates this, Give no chance to the flesh to have a fling. I like that. had a pastor friend that had someone once come to him for counseling with a drug problem. And this person coming in for counseling brought his drugs with him. And the pastor did a very foolish thing and instead of flushing him down the toilet immediately, put him in the bottom drawer of his desk. A few weeks later, during a time of discouragement and temptation and weakness, he remembered that Stash in his drawer, went back to his desk and began to do those drugs again. Slipping back into the life that God had delivered him from. Losing his church and his family and his ministry and his reputation and dishonoring God. What a sad, tragic thing that is. I I don't know what may be going on in your life, but I know the Bible is clear. Make no provision for the flesh. Maybe it's a relationship. Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, what do you do? Pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, what do you do? Cut it off. Now, he's not talking literally here. We would all be stumps. I mean, we'd be, hit, we'd be gone. I actually heard the true story of a guy that used years ago in England. If you got caught pickpocketing, you know you, what? You lost your hand. And this guy was a pickpocket, and he got caught, and he lost his right hand. He got caught pickpocking again with his left hand. He lost his left hand. He got busted again a third time. He was using his teeth. (laughs) Can you imagine standing in a crowd? Whoa, somebody's biting me. He was trying to pickpocket with his teeth. So it's not lopping off your literal limbs because your heart hasn't been changed. But what Jesus is saying is that holiness is so important in the life of the believer that you need to cut out. You need to eliminate. You need to take out anything in your life that causes you to stumble. It'd be better for you to go through life halt or maimed than to be cast whole into hell. Paul the Apostle is very clear. There are three things in light of these dark times that we live in. We need to wake up. We need to cast off. And we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the armor of light. And believers, tonight we need to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this clear instruction in your word. And I would pray tonight that you would help these, your people, to do these three simple things to wake up spiritually. To wake up. Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, Lord, do that second thing that we need to do, that step of casting off. To cast off the deeds of darkness. To put out of our life those sins that would cause us to stumble. And help us, Lord, to put on the armor of light. And help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, not to make any provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would work and speak to hearts tonight. There are any here that need to cast off. There are any here that need to wake up. Oh, God, help us to realize that time is precious that life is short, death is universal, that the day is coming very soon when we will be with You. And Lord, we pray that we would seize the moment, seize the time, understanding the times in which we live. Speak to us, Lord, as we surrender now, as we turn and we yield and surrender our hearts, our lives, and our minds totally and completely to You. Work in us by Your Spirit, we pray. Jesus' precious and holy name. And everyone agreeing said. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org.